2: Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Jake Litarsky, joined today by John McKechnie. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at Johnny J O H N N Y. M-C-K-E-C-H-S. You can follow me, jakeski52. Normally we're with you on the DFS pod Tuesdays, but we're bringing the dynamic duo into the Wednesday football pod just uh, just for today. Joe Bartel will be back with us uh, shortly here. But let's get on with the biggest news here today, John. We've got Anquan Bolden Signing with the Detroit Lions here. Really big uh, bolster to the receiving core for Matt Stafford on there.
3: you're uh, getting up there in age, but you still see some fantasy value there. You know what? I think this is a bit, uh, if there was one sort of landing spot where you could see, like, You know that one. You know, like when you when you have a tube of toothpaste and you know you're reaching the end of it, you get that one last bit out. (laughs) I think this could this could be that sort of scenario because Bolton, you know, he's been kind of lost in in, uh, San Francisco the last few years, uh, starting in 2013. And, you know, with, with the way the quarterback situation played out there and how, how quickly they sort of went down the tubes, he's been sort of lost. Uh, but now he joins a, a team that's going to be throwing in a crap ton. They're going to be replacing Calvin Johnson. Obviously, Golden Tate's going to be their number one guy still. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Bolton's going to be a guy that, that can kind of take pressure off of Tate a little bit. So you like that. And, you know, he's he's still a guy that's physical, that can go over the middle, make those catches. He's not going to burn you deep. That whole team, I think, is uh from their context perspective uh they don't have a really uh top line burner that can really take mm-hmm. the top off the defense that's my one concern with their receiving core in general but i think bolden's a guy that that uh, definitely is more on my radar now than he was a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: a couple weeks ago, even a couple days ago, let's say, because he signed yesterday. I know Eric and I didn't touch on this a ton Tuesday because it was overshadowed by the Josh Gordon and the Le'Veon Bell news here. But Bolden, yeah, he signed yesterday, and he's immediately shooting up ADPs. I mean, I'm mean, i in a I'm in an NFL 10 right now doing a slow draft, and we were in, I believe, the 16th round, and, he, and Bolden hadn't been taken yet. He wasn't with the team because we wanted to make sure he signed first. I mean, he signed yesterday and uh this morning at eleven twenty seven AM Eastern Ryan Roof took him in our slow draft like his team status hasn't even updated on the website yet, but he was taken immediately after signing. So again not all not all leagues are gonna go that deep twelve rounds or twelve teams seventeen rounds, but he'd have been taken a lot earlier had he been actually signed with a team. But I think you're right, John. I think he's got a very good opportunity here. Golden Tate's number one. I think this actually might even help Golden Tate's case just to get some of the attention off him. Yeah, they got Ebron, and uh, they've got a pretty decent backfield with Abdullah, Ridley, and Riddick. But you don't have Calvin Johnson to draw attention away. And Anquan Bolden's another option to move the chains. Really going to help Matt Stafford's fantasy value, too, giving him the other option. The guy who really knocks is probably Marvin Jones because I don't necessarily like what he'll bring to the table from a fantasy standpoint, but he had been in fantasy consideration just because he was a wide receiver too in a team that needs to pass a lot. So
3: Right, and then one last little thing that, that I think kind of helps Bolden, and he sort of mentioned it when he was tweeting out the news himself yesterday that he, he was going to be signing with the Lions, is you remember... Uh, he was with Jim Caldwell, their current head coach, uh, during the Ravens Super Bowl run. So there's an immediate comfort level in that offense. You you would imagine, you know, he's he's going to be able to to be a quick study within this offense, and he's going to like the coaching staff, of course. Uh, so that. It's not like other signings at this time of year where it's sort of like, oh man, he's got to learn the playbook, go through training camp, mm-hmm. and like try to carve things out. Like I think he's gonna be able to jump in and kind of immediately make an impact.
2: Yeah, and training camp's just starting. He's thirty five, so he's not outrageously over the hill yet, mm-hmm. and he's gonna have a full camp to learn an offense that, like you said, should be comfortable with. So again, you know, not not stretching for him, but I think he makes a decent wide receiver four, five, or six. You'll be able to plug him in a couple of weeks there. Sure, absolutely. Here, uh other official news, well, no surprise. Surprises here really be coming out of New England where Tom Brady will be suspended the first four games of the season due to the whole deflate gate involvement here. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo officially named the starter there. Uh, Like I said, no real surprises here. But you get four games of Garoppolo and a Patriots offense that is generally pretty skilled, has some fantasy options of late. It's got Rob Gronkowski to throw to. Do you consider him at all in two quarterback leagues considering
3: that? You know, of course, the utility is going to be limited after week five. Right. I mean, you got to look at it as a rental and you got to adjust his value as such. I I would imagine, you know, you got a two quarterback league and you you just know that this guy has got four weeks in him at most. And Mm -hmm. and with and with that, I'm sort of shying away from I understand him as a rental. If you if you like are really kind of stacked elsewhere, you know, if he's like your third or fourth quarterback or something in in a two quarterback starting league. But uh, really, I'm only going to really be looking at, at Garoppolo in, in daily formats. I think, uh, you know, looking at their schedule uh, coming up this year. Yeah, the schedule is not doing any favors at all.
2: That's what I was going to say.
3: Right. So, the, the, you know, you would only use him uh, if, if he had a great matchup. But this time around, he really kind of doesn't. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'm sort of, uh, you know, this, is, this news is expected. We all kind of knew. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's really your face with the question, would you have him? My answer is probably no.
2: Yeah, probably not. He opens the season at Arizona. Wouldn't even touch him in daily there if he was minimum price – Right. running back status <laughs> then has the Dolphins Texans and Bills at home so there are some home games in there you may want to consider it I guess depending on how those defenses open up or look to start but uh, there's no real reason to be taking him in season-long formats just to hammer that down in other news today Ryan Matthews of the Eagles he's dealing with an ankle injury but John you were kind of covering this today the all indications seem to suggest it's minor
3: yeah I was you know taking a look at things uh Ian Rappaport tweeted out that that this was an injury that happened when he was training out in San Diego last week. It's not supposed to be anything that's really going to keep him off the field Uh, once training camp really starts to get into full swing so this isn't something to to be majorly concerned with I think Ryan Matthews injury is always something you take into account with him regardless Mm -hmm. so you know today's news doesn't really bug me one way or the other on him Uh, you you don't really expect him to play all 16 games to begin with but you do expect him you know now that DeMarco Murray's gone you you do kind of like him to have a pretty solid year here so hopefully that ankle injury does prove to be uh, minor because the the way that that uh, team is setting up I think he could be in for a pretty nice year yeah, I mean, for what
2: it's worth, I did take Darren Sproles in the 16th round of a slow draft towards the end. Again, it's a best ball format, mm-hmm. so uh, that, that's that's always big news here, uh, because Sproles is bound to have one or two huge games where maybe he gets 200 all-purpose yards, returns a kick, and gets another random touchdown. They're going to be in there, but the nightmare for fantasy owners is trying to pick which weeks they are. In yeah. the best ball, you don't have to worry about that, so I think Sproles does bring some value there. In season long, though, I could see why Sproles' ADP is probably way near the bottom, where right where you would expect it to be there. There's just not a uh, a whole lot to like in, in, in that situation. 56 among running backs, 189 overall, so barely getting taken in your 12-team leagues there. Right. But again, the Matthews injury, not set to be serious. Uh, in other news... Rams finally made a decision and have released Nick Foles from the roster here. So that gives a a pretty clear-cut answer as to who do we think is going to be the quarterback in their first year in Los Angeles, and that's rookie Jared Goff. Now, we're looking—the main— Topic of this show today is we're going to talk about rookies, position by position. Rookies that you might want to keep an eye on from a fantasy standpoint. And of course, everyone talks about the top two quarterbacks in in, in, the, in the draft here, and that's Wentz and Goff here. Now, according to ADP... Neither of those guys are even in the top 30, so neither of them are going to be taken in your standard 12-team leagues, maybe limited to two quarterback leagues. Now, the news hasn't really had a chance to adjust yet, but we have Carson Wentz at 36 among quarterbacks. Goff was already expected to be the starter, checking in at 30 among quarterbacks. Is there any reason you could take a flyer on either of these guys? In a single quarterback format, or are you really limiting your exposure to two quarterback leagues?
3: I think g- generally it's probably a good idea. I mean, even you, you know, you're good when you get the best quarterbacks uh, in a given draft, they tend to be taken high, and that means that there's that team has a lot of problems around it uh, for the most part. Uh, in this case, you know, these teams kind of trade it up, so they're a little bit more. Uh, ready to go. They needed one more piece to to get to where they wanted to be. Now, mm-hmm. uh, implications have kind of been that that Wentz, you know, based on how Philly spent its money in the offseason, uh, re-signing Bradford and bringing in uh, Chase Daniel, uh, that Wentz, you know, even though they are drafting him, they drafted him number two overall. Uh, he's a guy that's probably ideally, for, for their sake, for the long haul, going to be sitting for for the at least the first few weeks, and that, that's sort of the indication that he, he wasn't even addressed uh, for the first couple weeks. So I think Wentz is kind of off the board for me, even though I do like his upside uh, moving forward. Now, Goff is a guy that, you know, this is sort of like how Garoppolo, being named the starter, was expected. Uh, th- this kind of feels like it's just one less domino in Goff's, in, uh, standing in Goff's way. I think he's going to be able to win that starting job, beat out Case Keenum, uh, but at the same time, you got to realize that his receiving court, I mean, does anybody in that receiving core really excite you right now? No, not a whole lot at all. I mean, that whole
2: St. Louis Rams offense. Their defense is going to keep
3: them. I think
2: around five hundred this year. They've got some really skilled options on defense, but fantasy special. Yeah, exactly. The Jeff Fisher special, but fantasy wise, uh, not a whole lot to uh, to really get too excited about there. Of course, Todd Gurley fantasy wise is going to be a first round pick all over the place. But you got it when you think of Goff. He's throwing to Kenny Britt, Tavon Austin. Brian Quick, Farrell Cooper, Lance Kendricks, former badger grade. I guess you can throw <laughs> that up on there. But uh other than that, there's there's just not a lot of receiving options. So I I'm pro- I mean, golf will get taken in your two quarterback leagues when every owner is gonna try to snatch up three quarterbacks just mm-hmm. for bi week purposes and and that kind of thing, but but overall, I, I'm probably going to be staying away from Goff. There's no reason to reach for somebody that just doesn't have quite the upset upside there. Maybe someone to watch on the waiver wire a little bit early on just to see if he can really get it going. But it's, it's a rarity for rookie quarterbacks to really, to really kick it into gear like that.
3: Exactly. And like one other guy that you might be able to consider, uh, and this is definitely not a, not a draft-type situation, but a, a waiver wire one would be Paxton Lynch mm-hmm. out in Denver just because Denver's quarterback options also aren't particularly uh, appealing. You know, they got Sanchez or or, uh, or Trevor Simeon from Northwestern, from a seventh Ooh, rounder boy. from a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, pretty brutal stuff. So I, I could see Lynch possibly taking the reins, but uh, – by taking the reins, I mean, you get to hang, hand off the ball this week type of thing. So I, yeah. I don't really think there's going to be a ton of uh, explosion from the from these rookie quarterbacks like we've seen in the past couple of years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, the only thing that Paxton Lynch would have going for him over a guy like Goff is he's get to, he gets to throw to Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders there, and he's got a pretty talented backfield with the Anderson-Hillman duo there. So more weapons, I guess, for True. Lynch, but there's no real path to starting football games as opposed to Goff. So really neither of those guys are being taken here. Uh, But let's move on to running backs. Uh, The big story here, pretty much a consensus first round pick. I mean, I can't see anybody I've, I mean, I've seen him go in the first half of the first round, really, uh, and that would be Zeke Elliott from the Dallas Cowboys, fourth overall among running back, ADP, 30 uh, I'm sorry, 12th overall among all positions there. Zeke Elliott, the number one back here. You could probably, I've seen people taking him over the likes of Johnson, Gurley, and Bell. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, the number one NFFC, uh, ADP, running back right now but he could be coming down the list if he does end up getting suspension here sure Zeke Elliott number one there's no question about that how high can you even like could you take him third overall or something like that you can get him up that I think
3: you really could justify doing that especially in a non-PPR format I I think that that line that Zeke is running behind is just so unbelievably good and then you you toss in the fact that the, the Cowboys couldn't possibly have uh the same sort of terrible injury luck this year uh Uh, that they did last year with Romo and Brian just kind of having washes for season so uh, I think that's gonna that's gonna help Elliott overall in my opinion because you're gonna have uh, teams having to worry about that passing attack uh, more than just uh, being able to load up the box and just key in on stopping Zeke Elliott and you know I've followed Zeke Elliott's career at Ohio State just an immensely impressive back and he does things that that uh, especially as a rookie, are sort of rare. Uh, his ability to, to help out in the pass blocking game uh, is very uh, rare for, for a rookie. Uh, he's just a really talented guy overall. I mean, he, he can beat you in several different ways. He can run you over or he can run by you. Uh, and Plus, when you have that line in front of you opening up holes everywhere, uh, I, I think that he absolutely is worth that top five consideration.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Zeke Elliott, very much in consensus. I If I'm in a top five draft pick, I'm usually targeting a receiver. If uh, Antonio Brown's going number one in a lot of my drafts, I'm more inclined to go to, the, to maybe Julio Jones or Odell Beckham over Zeke Elliott. But if you're a touchdown-heavy format or a non-PPR, then he starts to sneak into consideration. Right. I think he'll slowly eventually pass Bell on the depth chart if that suspension holds up. We could talk about rookie running backs for days because there's a ton of flyers out there here. But I do want to highlight on one other one before moving on, and that's Derrick Henry of Tennessee, a pretty a pretty big bruising runner as opposed to uh, DeMarco Murray, who, is, uh, who was signed by the Titans this offseason. I think the value there ends in hoping he gets some goal-line carries and uh and and is able to you know get six points maybe not so much PPR value maybe not so much between the 20s here but DeMarco Murray was pretty disappointing in Philly the last couple seasons here i mean do you think Derrick Henry can at least get a chunk a big enough chunk out of his workload to maybe warrant some fantasy consideration
3: yeah this is this one I'm a little bit torn on because on draft night I, I've i been a, a Henry fan as well I, I I was very adamant that he was the second best running back in this class so for him to land in Tennessee where they had already just spent big money uh acquiring uh DeMarco Murray is like well like why would you spend your second round pick on this? But, you know, then again, Titans are going to Titans. So you have what you got to take it Mm -hmm. uh, as it is. Uh, But with him, you know, I think you brought up good points that uh, he might not be a guy that's getting a ton of work uh, between the 20s, but he is just such a bruising dude. Uh, You know, he's like 6'2", 240, maybe bigger than that, that Mm -hmm. slightly. So, I mean, and I mean, he's just this horse. And, you know, the question with him is really, can he get up to speed uh, before before he reaches the line of scrimmage because uh if teams can get good penetration on the on the Titans O line, that's where he tends to get into trouble. But if he can you know, if he can get some space in front of him, uh he's about as a hard a guy to tackle in the league already I would imagine I mean he's just an absolute bull so you you hope that those goal line carries do kind of start, start to funnel this way and then especially if Murray uh, continues his sort of downward trajectory where he can't really get things going unless he has that sort of all pro caliber Dallas Cowboys offensive line in front of him then I think you know by virtue of the Titans spending that second round pick on him maybe they start to work him in more and more but I'm not Overall, I'm not targeting Henry until a little bit later on in drafts. Honestly, yeah, I mean,
2: I think if you draft him, you definitely can't really uh, you can't really count on using him, especially early on. I mean, RotoWire, for what it's worth, here has him projected 131 attempts for 566 yards and five touchdowns here. Um, so again. It's going to be hit or miss, and he's got to work his way above Murray there. I'm not really worried about Antonio Andrews, David Cobb, Bishop Sankey, any of those guys really sneaking up to catch his spot here. But, uh, again, not someone you can count on right away, but someone that should be at least on everyone's radar based on maybe how the preseason goes and those kind of things. Right. Like I said, we could talk about running backs for days. There's going to be a lot of sleeper running backs. Everyone's got their small picks here. But uh, let's touch on wide receivers here. And the first one I want to talk is Corey Coleman of the Browns, another Baylor product, just like uh, quarterback uh, RG3 here in Cleveland. That is, of course, if RG3 can beat out um, Josh McCown for the job here. But the biggest hindrance to Coleman, who was originally entering, maybe as a number one receiver, is that after four weeks, after week five and beyond, Unless Josh Gordon messes up again, he's going to be the number one receiver in that offense there. So that probably limits Coleman's targets, especially when you have a veteran like Andrew Hawkins down on the depth chart there.
3: That that's true. I still I still think that overall Co- Coleman's talent will able will be able to vault him uh, over Hawkins in terms of target volume uh, once things get going. Obviously, Josh Gordon coming back t- puts a massive damper on Coleman's uh, value because I you know I thought there really couldn't be a better landing spot in terms of just sheer role in the offense. And then Corey Coleman coming over to the Browns that just sort of emptied the cupboard of their offense of their like pass catching weapons this past off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still like Coleman as a, as you know, like a, a deep, a deep uh league like flex type of deal or may- maybe like a lower end uh number wide receiver two option because i mean his skills are are such that uh, i think he is going to end up being a very good player i know he did show up to like rookie camp a little bit out of shape hopefully you know he snapped out of that quickly yeah.
2: according to adp we have him as number 43 overall right wide receiver so in a 12 team league he'd be about a wide receiver four in that case uh, actually sneaking just inside the top 100 overall in adp and uh he's Right in that group with Travis Benjamin... Dorial Green, Beckham, Marcus Wheaton, Sterling Shepard, even, uh, in terms of ADP. So there's uh I mean, there's a lot of inherent risk with any of the players in that group. They're, they're gonna be it's a boomer bust group out of those guys that I just named off here. How about kind of nearby in the draft here? We've got Josh Doxon of the Washington Redskins here, Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball. The biggest hindrance to Doxon, as it's not his skill, but it might be his opportunity if he's gonna be behind guys like Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson and on the depth chart. is Daxon someone that you're maybe thinking in dynasty formats but are going to hold off uh, on really taking him too early
3: until maybe a second or third year in the league? Yeah, he's a guy that has the skill sets to get you excited in terms of a dynasty. Format looking uh, down the road, but I think right now this year you got Deshaun Jackson, you got Pierre Garcon. You know those are two established vets, uh, and their time might be running out in, in uh, DC. Actually, I think they they drafted Doxson with the idea of him being the guy down the line. But uh, as far as this year is concerned, uh, one one thing that might be able to give Doxson some separation is that he's a bigger receiver than than both Garcon and Jackson. He's more of a red zone threat. But then you run into the problem of Jordan Reed was, like, awesome red zone threat mm-hmm. as a tight end. You know, he's, a, he's a, about as athletic as you're going to get at the tight end position right now. So that also kind of cuts off where Doxon's re- real upside could be. So I think this year Doxon's a guy that – Is intriguing. I'm going to enjoy watching when he does get on the field. I just don't expect a ton right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I think down the line, you know, this time next year is is uh, when I'm going to start to get really excited about him. Yeah, temper those expectations for sure. Now, what about Will Fuller, another rookie, uh,
2: kind of drafted in a similar spot here? He might have a uh, a better opportunity. As, Because right now we have him listed as second on the depth charts for the Texans here, right behind DeAndre Hopkins, right ahead of Cecil Shorts. The big thing there is you've got a, a murky quarterback situation. Probably looks like Brock Osweiler is going to start. Of course, you got Brandon Whedon and Tom Savage maybe in the mix here. Uh, Will Fuller as a rookie i just don't know if i trust the quarterback play enough to really warrant him fantasy wise adp 68 among receivers so right around the edge of the top 200 overall
3: right so my problem with fuller uh is that is that sort of quarterback situation and and with that you know he's probably not going to be getting a ton of targets i think by the by the time that the years over i don't think that he's their second most targeted wide receiver it's just not really within his skill set he's more of just a i'm going to beat you down the field uh, hopefully the ball gets there in time mm-hmm. uh, and if that's the case I'm probably going to catch it although he his his uh, drops can be a little bit problematic that was sort of uh, one of his issues at Notre Dame that, that concerned me and that's going to be something that obviously coaches on their rookies are going to be hammering out mm-hmm. and I also kind of have a feeling that uh, Jalen Strong might be able to step up a little bit this year after kind of a shaky first year uh, mm-hmm. in Houston so I think Fuller Fuller I love that skill set for the offense I think in the end it's going to be a guy that Uh, attracts attention away from deandre hopkins which is the most important thing because hopkins really is a a top flight receiver in this league uh but i you know fuller he's gonna have a sort of a few like deshaun jackson-esque games where he's got like three catches for 100 yards or or something like Mm -hmm. that but you know kind of like you mentioned with your best ball i was gonna say it's
2: good for a best ball league any of those boomer bust deep threats right
3: Exactly. That. That's, yeah, that's the main point I'm getting at here. Just the way that op- that offense is going to work out uh, with Osweiler. I mean, and, Will Fuller, he's just going to be running more vertical routes, and Mm -hmm. those are lower percentage, so uh, he's not going to be racking up the catches by any means. Yeah, another rookie that I want to discuss as well, uh, in addition to Fuller, is
2: uh, Laquan Treadwell. He actually checks in ahead of Fuller uh, in terms of ADP, 47 overall. He's really close to Corey Coleman, who's 43 overall. Of course, he's are numbers amongst receivers. There's Treadwell. Physically, he's there. Maybe some concerns about his combine performance. I think we can put those in in the past a little bit. But the thing here is this Minnesota Vikings offense is centered around one guy, and that man's name is Adrian Peterson. There's just not a ton of room to throw the ball. They've actually got a pretty respectable defense that should make it not absolutely necessary for them to throw the ball all the time. So. Quan Treadwell's there. He's being drafted like a wide receiver 4 or a 5. Are you in line with that, or do you think he's a little bit overvalued based on the system?
3: You know, I think the system almost benefits him because because of what you mentioned with that combine thing where people kind of knock his top-end speed, Uh, but that offense they're not bombing it down the field. They, they want these kind of bigger uh, guys that can possess the ball, intermediate uh, route type of deal. So I think Treadwell really fits in well with that. And, you know, if Bridgewater, uh, if his ball placement gets better, you know, he can just find Treadwell on these intermediate routes. Uh, I think this guy, Matt Vensel, uh, who covers the Vikings, wrote a really great article uh kind of going into the skinny post and what that could mean for that offense and how Treadwell uh could really fit the mold into that and I think that's something that he can actually be very useful and Bridgewater I feel like is you know at least pretty accurate so I think Mm Treadwell is a guy that's going to get on the field uh Diggs probably should be their number one uh wide receiver but I think Treadwell actually might have a very very solid uh rookie season uh you know even even if Coleman is getting drafted ahead of him I and the and the you know legitimate knocks against Treadwell's uh, straight line speed. I still think that he might end up being one of the better rookie receivers. Right. <laughs> I'd say him and Coleman to me are neck and neck in terms of how they're going to do this year. All right. Yeah, I could see the, I could see him being up there with that upside. Of course, you got to exercise caution
2: and not have super high expectations, but you got to take some risks in fantasy if you're going to come out on top. True. And he's one of the ways you can do that. Any other sleeper rookies that you might that might be on your radar? Now everyone wants to find the Odell Beckham of this year. Uh, But really, the lesson to learn here is more often than not, you want to tread lightly with ro- rookie-ride receivers, though. But anybody
3: else on your radar? Well, it, before the Josh uh, Gordon news came across, I, I thought it was interesting the way that Cleveland approached their draft, and they, they really loaded up on receivers kind of in the later rounds. They got this guy, Ricardo Lewis, who didn't have the best career at Auburn, but uh, his combine performance is off the charts. Really good, uh, solidified his draft stock into the fifth round. Him and Richard Higgins, both a couple of guys uh, that that would have interested me interested me more uh, because of their ability to get right onto the field if Gordon uh, wasn't coming back, but now that sort of washes it out a little bit. But I am excited about Leontay Carew a little bit. He's a Rutgers guy, uh, rookie, uh, went to the Dolphins which I didn't love the landing spot you know he's got some legit guys that he's going to have to beat out in order to really see time but I'm not huge on Devante Parker personally and I'm not super huge on Kenny Stills either to be honest with you so Carew's a guy that that's uh I mean he's just a boss uh, I think he's he's one of the meanest guys to the ball that I saw in college football last year uh he's very tough to bring down uh he's got a nose for the end zone he had like 10 touchdowns on only you know uh Uh, almost like a third of his catches went for touchdowns last year. It was just ridiculous. So he's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on in really, really deep formats, uh, but... Aside from that, those are sort of, yeah, my my, uh, sleepers.
2: Yeah, like those guys, one other one I want to throw into the mix is Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals. He's one that I think uh, opportunity might help his case. I mean, A.J. Green's number one, no Mm -hmm. doubt about that, but somebody else has got to get the ball, especially when A.J. Green's going to be double and triple covered, and then mix that with the fact that you've got Tyler Eifert possibly missing the first couple games of the season here, kind of dealing with that foot injury. So we've got their depth chart looking A.J. Green, and then there's, Brandon LaFell, who didn't really look himself last year, and I'm not quite sure how much he has left, so I think there's a reasonable chance if Boyd can catch up to the speed of the game and learn the playbook quickly, that he could become the number two receiver, and of course be involved in any three-wide receiver sets there. So Boyd, a good sleeper. I took him in the 15th round of a best ball. I think he provides at least a floor, maybe a possession receiver type player on a week-to-week basis, so somebody may be worth taking a look there. Uh, Lastly, we we have tight ends here. We talked about it for a little while. There's only One real tight end that jumps out in terms of rookies. Uh, Who do you think it is, John?
3: It's got to be Hunter Henry. And, you know, again, this is a thing where you need to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, As far as the tight end position goes for rookies, I think the track record shows that I believe John Carlson was the last... Uh, rookie receiver to, to come close, rookie tight end to come close to like 700 yards or something like that in the last 10 years. So re- that really ought to kind of give you an idea of what to expect here. And Hunter Henry, uh, I don't expect him to have a giant immediate impact. I mean, how do you feel about him versus Antonio Gates? Do you think that Henry kind of fills, fills like a uh, Ladarius Green role? Or do you, do you think he's, start, he, he's basically plugged in in place of Gates if they want to give Gates some plays off
2: yeah I mean maybe there's that but I'm still Gates is going to check in ahead on just about any ranking I mean Gates is 36 so he's getting up there but the tight end position we see guys like Tony Gonzalez Jason Witten play a little bit later into their careers so it's entirely possible and there's just so many other pass catching options Danny Woodhead in the backfield behind Melvin Gordon's a pass catching option they signed Travis Benjamin Dontrell Lamon had some decent games last year and then you know you get of course Keenan Allen back Stevie Johnson should be around too many mouths to feed for Henry but someone definitely worth a, a look I guess in your deeper and definitely in your dynasty formats yeah
3: there. dynasty primarily uh especially with considering Gates's age and you, you'd imagine that Hunter Henry's kind of built in a similar way uh, not quite the same leaping ability as peak Gates but I mean who has that really? Gates Gates was really one of a kind in his prime, but I think uh, as far as this year is concerned, uh, Gates should still be the dude at tight end, and with that, Henry's value is is kind of uh, negated really overall. All right,
2: sounds good. Well, hey, that's going to do it for our Wednesday edition of the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Once again, I'm Jake Latarski. You can follow me on Twitter at
3: jakeski52. And I'm John McKechnie. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny McKex. I'll be back tomorrow with Nick Whalen for another edition of the Fantasy Football Podcast.
0: Napa No!